When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Let me tell you about Football Insider before we get started. Uh, I've told you about it before, and if you're listening to this and you still haven't signed up, I don't get it. It's a great opportunity for you to read all kinds of great Browns content. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner up at the top of the page, and here's what you get. You get access to all those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, You get a newsletter every day with exclusive content that's written by one of our our Browns beat reporters uh, that doesn't go anyplace else out on the site. It just goes in this email straight to your inbox. You also have an opportunity to sign up for our Football Insider text subscription, which is where Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and I will text you throughout the day with Browns nuggets, Browns news analysis. I do a pregame Q&A about an hour and a half before the game. You know, we can text directly back and forth with you. So you ask a question, I'm texting directly back to you. It doesn't go out to however many other people. It goes right to you. And then, of course, we have things like our uh, postgame show exclusively for our tech subscribers. We have a tech subscriber on every single week to help us pick NFL games. It's, it's a lot of op- fun for uh, an opportunity to get on our podcast, you know, twice a week for our tech subscribers between our post-game show and that picks pod. So you got to check this out. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Get all the information. Get yourself signed up. Here's our pod. everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well, and also Scott Patsko joining us. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. All right, uh, let's get to it. Today was a very interesting day. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, a very interesting day for the Browns. Uh, we heard from Baker Mayfield first off, and then we later kind of surprisingly heard from Odell Beckham, although uh, based on the news that came out, a uh, not so long after Odell Beckham spoke, maybe it wasn't so surprising that he uh, was a late addition to our availability before the LSU news came out. Uh, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about what those two guys uh, had to say today. Um, and it was a lot. Mary Kay, I guess let's start with Baker. What did you kind of think of what he had to say today and, and his approach to some of the criticisms and, and the things that have been swirling around since Sunday? Well, there were two big takeaways from the Baker Zoom interview. Uh, The first one was his response to all the criticism, because as we all know, you just can't uh, walk anywhere or turn anywhere, turn anything on without uh, hearing some Baker criticism this week, Uh, especially all over ESPN. uh, You know, they have consistently called for his job. So anyways, uh, that was the number one thing. And he said, I don't give a damn what they say. And, you know, I thought that was good. This year, he's not... uh, not engaging as much with the Colin Cowherds and and the Rex Ryans. He's kind of not taking the bait. So that was number one. Uh, And then the other thing, the other like little zing thing that, that goes off was, uh, you know, when he, when he talked about, uh, you know, it we're four and two, uh, but you know, it's a four and two that feels more like, oh, and six. And that's what it, it, it almost feels like. um, Yeah. I mean, it just feels like they are coming off of, you know, 
a three game losing streak or something, right? I mean, like you forget that they're four and two right now. Uh, but um, so I thought that was a very telling comment by him. Yeah, and I think a lot of that though and six feeling probably has to do with the second half of that Colts game too, is kind of put those two together, you know, uh, with the Steelers game in that second half. And it's just this perception that this team is going in the wrong direction all of a sudden. And um, I think just that has a lot to do with it. This seems like a team that maybe is in a better place of putting that kind of thing behind them. And knowing that they did that after week one um, should probably give fans a little confidence that they can kind of bounce back from it. But I think it's more than just the Steelers game, at least with Baker. It's, it's the second half of that, that Colts game too, that I think has given people pause. Yeah. I, I guess I wonder, do, do you guys believe him that, that he's not, I don't know if paying attention is the right word. Cause I don't know if he just came out and said, he's not paying attention to that stuff. He's just more not fighting back against it. But I mean, I mean, do you guys believe that he's actually blocking that stuff out better than, than he has in the past? Cause it, cause I, I personally don't necessarily, I mean, he took a little shot at, uh, at the media. I think it was just last week even. Yeah. You know what? No, I don't believe that he's, um, that he's, he's blocking it out. I, I don't think that that's Baker. He is fueled. It's like a vampire with blood <laughs> for him <laughs> to get this kind of criticism. He loves it. He uses it. I mean, he's just, the tank is on full this week now and he's going to go out there and just, uh, you know, do the best that he can. This is his whole entire career has been based on everybody doubting him and being negative against him. And he, he loves to, uh, you know, just kind of, take on some of that negative energy and channel it into a good performance. That's been one of his MOs, but uh, I certainly don't think he's blocking it out. But what he's not doing is he's not, he doesn't seem to be taking the bait where he's not kind of, you know, getting in a Twitter war with Colin Coward or Stephen A. Smith or Rex Ryan. Yeah. This is, this is Baker week for everybody. I mean, our website is full of, of Baker <laughs> stories and, uh, you know, I, I got to watch the tape this week. We just, we made it all about Baker and we're talking about Baker right now. And it's all, it's all Baker, but uh, he, no, he, he lives for, for, for the criticism and, and how he reacts to that. I think maybe somebody's taken away his Instagram uh, access and, and Twitter access, but no, he, he sees it all. He hears it all. That's, that's Baker Mayfield. And he says he doesn't give a damn about it, but he clearly does care what everybody says about him. I think there's also a, a little bit of a divide there too, um, because you know the, a lot of the framing was with the national, the the hot take like you know Odell and, and Jarvis need to ask to be traded and Baker needs to lose his job and, and stuff like that. I think the way we've talked about it and, and Mary Kay, your I mean your column today, I, I, th I think kind of encapsulated it as you know, the Browns have some decisions to make on Baker after this season. They need to get some answers on Baker this season. And right now those answers aren't great. It's also only been six games. You know, there is still time for him to turn this around and show he is the guy, but right now we just aren't seeing it quite yet. And all the pieces are in theory in place around him to, to make it happen. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's the key part too, or, or one of the, the biggest keys is the fact that uh, everything else has been put in place to help him succeed. Good coaching, good schemes, good receivers, tight ends, great offensive line. Uh, it, it's all right there for him. A defense that is taking the ball away at, at you know, a higher rate than anybody else 
in the NFL. So the conditions are really right for him to succeed. If you think about plugging another quarterback into this football team, you know, I mean, like, or, you know, just a, a top notch quarterback and then putting them up against the Pittsburgh Steelers in that game, chances are it's a different outcome. So it is a very real issue that needs to be addressed. And why does it need to be addressed right now? Because just like you said, Dan, because they have decisions to make in the offseason and the in terms of extension and fifth year option. And the other key is this team is built to win now, built to win now. Miles, they're all in the prime of their career. You've got a bunch of pro bowlers on this team, and they're all in that prime of their career age. And then you've got Odell and Jarvis, who are just kind of heading up towards uh, the back nine. They're going to be 28 next month, uh, and time is starting to run out on, on their ability to win three Super Bowls. So the time has to be now. They don't have time for Baker May Mayfield to spend you know, two more years to figure out if he can be the guy. Now let's move on to Odell Beckham. Uh, he, he was very interesting today as well as, as Odell usually is. Um, he had some fighting words for uh, the coronavirus. Uh, we, we don't usually spend time on that, but that, that's the one that was making the Twitter rounds uh, at one point. I think the most interesting thing to me, and this is something we, we have actually brought up on this podcast before, is one of the things he said he was frustrated about was um, that he didn't get to finish that game. You know, that he wanted to go out there. I, I, didn't he say something like, I want to take my ass whooping like a man, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess what, what that reminded me of is we all remember that Monday night against San Francisco last year when Odell really weirdly came out to return that punt. And it was kind of, what, what is he even doing out there? Mm -hmm. To me, as frustrating as that was for Odell, I think it's a good sign for this coach that he kind of said to Odell, hey, you know what? I know you still want to be out there but you need to go sit down because let's be honest, you pull your hamstring in a 38 to seven loss. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a lot more frustrated next week than you are at the end of this one. So I, I, I think this is a good sign actually for this coaching staff. And that even though Odell had his, you know, theatrics on the sideline, whatever, we know that that comes with the Odell Beckham package. Um, I think it's a good sign for this coaching staff that they had the foresight to say, we're just going to deal with this. You got to go sit down you and Jarvis and everybody else that, that really matters to us long-term. I mean, I don't know. I understand Odell wanting to be out there, but I, I don't see how it matters either way. I mean, if he's out there, I don't think we're even talking about why is Odell on the field at the end of this game. Now, if he got injured, sure. Then the questions come up or if, you know, we, we were asking why was Miles Garrett on, in the, at the end of the game uh, during the, uh, the helmet swing, but odds are nothing would have happened. And, I don't know. I, I just talk a lot of this up to Odell being Odell and, you know, we, we can't go too long without Odell causing some sort of drama. And this is what little we're getting six games into the season. Well, you know, I, mean, I think on one hand, it's good that you have a, a passionate player that wants to win. And, you know, this is part of Odell's persona. And when you have him on the team that you know that some of these things are going to be, uh, you know, what, what you're going to be dealing with. So I don't think anybody, I don't think the team, you know, holds it against him that he was upset in that moment, but I think it was more than just getting yanked out of the game. Uh, he admitted that it was a combination of that and losing, but I think it's a combination of that and losing and the fact that he's not getting to add to the legacy that he wants to leave the mark that he wants to leave on the game. I mean, he's, 
number 40th in receptions this season with 23. I think, you know what, I just have a feeling by now, they're human, that the skill players, the Pro Bowl skill players on this team are starting to question and wonder, you know, do we have a NFL caliber passing game that can get us where we need to go this season? They complete, Baker completed 10 passes in that game. You guys have seen the, the, the numbers each week. It's, it's you know, very few, uh, very few completions. And, you know, remember we wondered at the beginning of the season, how are they going to spread the ball around and everybody was going to eat at the trough of the Cleveland Browns this year? Nobody's eating, <laughs> right? Like none of these guys, Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, Odell, it's got to be frustrating for these guys because even though they want to win, and that's the number one thing, what they also want along the way is to be great and to be stars and to be celebrated and to be part of those victories. Guys want numbers, right? I mean, that, that's sort of what it comes down to. Like these guys want numbers and whether it's winning, lose, it's not saying that they necessarily want them at the expense of winning, but it matters to them. They, they want to get numbers. They want to get stats. I, you know, I, I listened to a podcast earlier this season. It was actually Chris Logg's podcast. He had Cam Jordan on. And Cam Jordan went the first three games of the season without a sack. And he was pretty honest with Chris Long. They were both talking. I mean, these are two edge rushers. And they were like, it really stinks when you're stuck at zero and you just haven't gotten that first one. And we've talked about it before with Odell, how, how different he is. When you just get that first touch or that first completion out of the way when he's not sitting there in the second quarter or third quarter, he's only got one catch and the ball isn't coming his way, how that really changes the dynamic for him. He's really a guy that if he just gets his hand on the football, I think sometimes it can change his approach because now he's not pressing to get that one catch or that one touch. And you guys can't see this on the podcast, but there's now a cat crawling around behind <laughs> Mary Kay on our, on our Zoom call here. Um, but, you know, again, this is just sort of the Odell Beckham package. This is what you get with him. We might, on Sunday, he might have seven catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns. And all is right in the world if, if that happens. That's just sort of the ups and downs, I, I guess, with Odell. Odell is actually 16th in targets this year. He's got 42. He's on pace for over 100, uh, which is probably more than we – thought he would have he had 130 last year so he's not really that far behind uh in terms of how often the ball is coming his way I, I think a lot of it just boils down to the fact that they got beat so bad and it's been two straight games where the past well it's been six straight quarters I guess where the passing game really hasn't done much and you know at a loss to that and things just seem to look maybe a little worse than they are I mean, I think it's going to get better. I mean, when we look ahead, which we're planning on doing in this podcast as well, when we look ahead to the next five or six games, uh, I think we can all agree that there are going to be some opportunities for uh, this offense to look a whole lot better than it has, than it did in that second half against the Colts and that it did in the whole entire game against Pittsburgh. That was a really good uh, defense. But I think also part of it is, you know, I mean, when, when, Baker's holding the ball as long as he is and throwing a uh, throwing a pick six on his first pass of the game. You know, it just everything's going to go downhill from there. I don't even, you know, I don't even think it necessarily means that they can't absolutely hang with Pittsburgh when they play them again. I just think this one got got out of hand right from the start for them. And you know, he also said, you know, 
I, he's tired of losing to good teams. <laughs> so that was, yeah, I thought Odell was, was pretty honest. He usually is. He's usually pretty good when he talks to us, um, gives us honest answers. Did, did we miss anything, Mary Kay, from Odell? Is, is there something that stood out to you that, that we need to talk about still? Oh, yes, of course, Dan, there is something that we need to talk about. And that was the COVID quote that, uh, <laughs> the COVID quotes that, that is being, uh, you know, retweeted and, and liked and bandied about all over the place. And uh, so, yeah, he's, he was asked uh, right off the bat about, uh, you know, were you worried about testing positive for COVID? And I don't have the direct quote in front of me right now. I, I can find it here. Okay, maybe you can read it, some of it or... He said, uh, he said, no, not in an arrogant way. I just do not think COVID can get to me. I do not think it is going to enter this body. I do not want any part of it. It does not want any part of me. I think it's a mutual respect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so everyone thinks that Odell is nuts for this quote, or a lot of people do. <laughs> but um, I mean, I kind of think I know where he's coming from on this. And it's probably because I'm the kind of person that takes my cat for acupuncture, but uh, <laughs> but I, Odell is the kind of person that speaks things into existence and speaks them out of existence. And I think he's just trying to use some positive mental attitude here, where he's saying, "I'm not going to let COVID get me." I, you know, I'm going to use you know positive thinking, mind over matter, and uh, and I'm going to speak it out of existence, like just like. Uh, he and Jarvis have spoken into existence, being together here and winning a championship. And one time he spoke into existence the exact amount of catches and yards that Jarvis was going to have in a game. So I just think he's sort of one of those kind of metaphysical guys that uses sort of that approach. And hey, if I was an NFL player right now, I would hope that <laughs> I would, I might have a similar kind of thought process in my head because you know you're getting tested obviously much more than the average American and you're working in a facility that at least in Cleveland's case is taking it super serious you know they they would shut it down and clean everything three times if uh, if anything came up so I mean I would I would feel okay walking around in Berea thinking that I'm in a good place as far as you know where I'm at in relation to COVID right now so and, you know, in, in his defense, he did follow that up by saying, I felt like it was the right thing to mention that I may not have been feeling well, and I just do not want to spread it throughout the whole building. If there was a case that I would have possibly had it, I was just trying to be an adult, uh, be precautious about it. So, you know, he was, uh, <laughs> yes, that's the quote that's been going around from Odell. And uh, I, I don't know that I really have anything to add to it. Just keep wearing that mask, Odell. That's, that's yeah, all. I mean, just keep wearing that I, mask. I think he's saying there, it's not that I'm not taking it seriously. You know, I mean, we know he's taking it seriously. He sat with, uh, in a round table with Cam, with Cam Newton and Todd Gurley and those guys and talked about how worried he was about football actually being played this season. He talked to the wall street journal about, I think the season should be canceled. So I don't think this is a situation at all where he doesn't take the virus seriously. That's not it at all. I just think that uh, he's just one of those people that feels, I think, and I don't necessarily want to speak for him fully on this, but I just think he feels that he can try to use attitude to help him fortify himself and put on a COVID shield. Yeah, the wrong, the wrong takeaway here is that Odell doesn't care and doesn't think he can get it. I think that's, if people are taking that away, I think they're missing. Right, exactly. Right. 
he's he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing and he's also operating in this bubble that they've created yeah. uh for themselves in berea all right uh we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll take a quick look ahead at the next five games for the cleveland browns and back on the orange and brown talk podcast dan lobby scott patsko mary Kay cabot uh let's take a quick minute here to look ahead to the next five games now we did this a little bit on um Tuesday, I believe it was Doug, Mary Kay, and I made our predictions for what the Browns record would be. And then yesterday, you know, Ellis, Mary Kay, and I talked about what we'd learned about the Browns since their last Bengals game. So we're going to, because we have Scott here and because he has been our, our resident, uh, our, our resident crystal ball expert recently, uh, we're going to look ahead to these next five games. Uh, so it's at the Bengals hosting the Raiders uh, hosting the Texans, hosting the Eagles, and then traveling to play Jacksonville. And those five games all proceed back-to-back games against the Titans on the road and then a Monday night game against the Ravens. Now, we all know there's, a, a, speaking of COVID, a situation going on with the Raiders right now. The Browns game is, you know, there, there haven't been any schedule changes, nothing like that yet, but it's just something to kind of put a pin in here as, as that moves forward. I want to take the question we asked yesterday and kind of push it forward, though, here. What do you think we'll learn about the Browns in these next five games? Because we've certainly learned, you know, like against the Steelers and Ravens, they aren't there yet, right? This is a much different level of competition they're going to face. So what, Mary Kay, what do you think we'll learn about this team over these next five? Well, I'm going to start with what I started when we talked about what we learned in the previous five games or six games. And that is, uh, I, I, think we're going to learn more about Baker Mayfield over the next five games. Now he's playing easier defenses, but even so, or in some cases, he's playing easier defenses. The Raiders are playing good defense this year and some other teams are that, that they're going to play. Uh, what, what we need to find out and what the Browns need to find out is can he operate in the pocket and play, you know, that classic, you know, drop back game that he at times is going to need to play. He hasn't demonstrated that he can do that. And he's going to need to, to do that. I mean, because teams are going to try to hem him in and keep him from running the bootlegs and the rollouts and getting out into space where he has vision and he can see what's going on and he can see the field. Uh, and uh, so this is one thing that he really, really has to work on. And Kevin Stefanski has to work on scheming it up so he can be more effective in the pocket. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is, is now that teams have seen what the Steelers did and they saw how the Colts adjusted in the second half and can these teams that the Browns are coming up against in the next five games do that, number one. And, and with the Bengals, you know, you're getting a team for the second time. How is that going to impact how Kevin Stefanski approaches that game? Um, you know, they, I mean, they won, but it was, you know, the Bengals were, the Bengals scored a lot of points in that game. And you don't want to see that again if, uh, if you're the Browns. So um, how is that going to be different this time? You're going into that game without Nick Chubb. Um, how is that going to impact what you do? And I think uh, making sure you get to the bye week with most of the people healthy, especially on offense, uh, you want Kareem Hunt coming out of that bye fully intact. Um, he's playing a lot more snaps than he did, at least against the, the Colts, he played a lot more snaps. Uh, that he had previously the Steelers. I mean, the game plan was kind of wrecked early in the third quarter, but uh, you don't want, I don't think you want him out there like 70% of the snaps. You want to get more out of Dernis Johnson. You want to be able to, uh, you know, kind of have a better rotation, kind of like he did with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt when they were both out there together. So 
Um, I think showing something, showing that you can play a team for the second time and still have success. And then, I mean, look, these defenses are not great. <laughs> these teams are not great. And I mean, they, they, they should have the expectation of going five and zero over these next five games. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the DVOAs here that they have coming up. Cincinnati is 18th. They're 16th against the pass. Philly is 19th, 27th against the pass. Uh, Jacksonville is last in uh, total DVOA, DVOA defensively, 32nd against the pass. The Raiders, uh, 31st and 26th. Um, and Houston, 27th and then 20th against the pass. Those are all defensive DVOA. So there's going to be some opportunities here against these defenses and, and against these passing defenses. Uh, Raiders are like the Cowboys. They're, they're like the Cowboys. They score a lot of points and they give up a lot of points. Yeah. And then they're, they're looking for a pass rush too. And, and that of course bodes well uh, for Baker Mayfield. Scott, what, what do you think we're going to learn over these next five? I think again, I think uh, we, we're going to see whether or not Kevin Stefanski's offense works on a consistent basis against teams they are going to, they're supposed to be. We saw that for four games, weeks two through five. Um, but you know, now there, there's a book out there on how to slow this offense down and they have to adjust to that without Nick Chubb. Now, I know that there's been discussions on this podcast and I know on, uh, on Gotta Watch the Tape about uh, missing Nick Chubb, but if your offense has Kareem Hunt in the backfield and that offense doesn't work, that's not a missing Nick Chubb problem. That's, that's an offense problem because you should be able to do what you want to do on offense with one of the most versatile running backs in the NFL. So I'd like to see them uh, show that a little more, um, but also, you know, you need more out of Durance Johnson, like I said. So I think, um, I mean, I, these, like I said, these are five winnable games and I think we should see what we saw in weeks two through five. Uh, I don't see any of these teams giving them the kind of fits that the Steelers did or the Ravens, uh, you know, or, or the Colts. I mean, the Colts and the Steelers, two best defenses they faced so far and, they face the two teams that blitz the most in this league and the Ravens and Steelers they are past that. They got a few weeks now to figure out what they're going to do against Steelers and Ravens next time. You know, in the meantime, they can kind of get up a running start here. Yeah. This, this is a great get right stretch for, for them. And I, and I think, honestly, I, I think what we're going to learn is the, the old phrase, you know, they are who we thought they are, or they were, are who we thought they were, whatever it is. Right. I think that's what we're going to learn. This team is a good football team. They're not quite there yet to take that next step to, you know, being better than the Steelers, being better than the Ravens. But they're a team that should be able to compete for a playoff spot. They should be good enough to beat bad teams, good enough to compete against middle of the road teams and, and win some games like against the Colts, for example. I think, I think we're going to come away from this stretch feeling pretty good about where this team is and sort of reaffirming that, okay, we, we sort of have this team in our minds and our mental power rankings about where they belong. And, and the Steelers game by the end of these five games is probably going to feel like a decade ago, honestly, because I think they're probably going to look pretty good in these games. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that we're going to see some of the things that we saw during the four-game stretch, and that is, I think we're going to see Miles Garrett get some sacks. I think he's going to get some strip sacks. I think he's going to uh, continue to add to those statistics and build his... NFL defensive player of the year resume over these next five games. I think there will be opportunities for that. Uh, I think in general, the defense will be, be able to get back to uh, getting some of those takeaways. And, you know, that's a, a large reason why they're four and two right now, because they lead the league in with 12 takeaways. The Browns have scored 
42 points off of those takeaways for about 26% of their offensive, uh, for their offensive production has come from those takeaways. And uh, so I think we're going to see some of those things again. And Scott, I agree with you 100%. I mean, if you have Kareem Hunt as your lead running back, I mean, a, a lot of teams would sign up for that. So uh, they, they should be able to, uh, they should be able to run the ball with, with Kareem and, and company. They'll probably get back into running some reverses and things like that to maybe take a little bit of pressure off him. I think, um, I think you should, should see them get back to trying to make Odell feel good about himself because when you're not playing a really good, hard rushing, get up in Baker's face, up the middle pressure defense, he's probably going to be okay. He'll be able to get outside and do all the things that he does. So I think you're going to see a much happier football team over the next five weeks. Yeah, I was looking it up while you were talking. The Browns actually have the NFL's easiest remaining schedule. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, bodes well. Yeah, I, I think they will. Uh, I think they'll take that. One thing, though, are all NFL teams, except maybe the Jets. They, they might not be. Uh, but, you know, you, you, can't, you can't sleep when Deshaun Watson shows up or, you know, some of these other guys. You got to make sure that you, uh, you show up ready to go or you find yourself in a hole earlier trying to play catch up. And that, that's not where they want to be. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of our podcast. I do have to tell everyone one more time about this. Uh, Terry Pluto is doing his Medicare guide webinar on October 22nd at 2 PM. That is today. So if you hear that and have time to jump on that, go for it. He told me to have like 600 people signed up for this thing. The webinar is presented by cleveland.com and medical mutual and will help simplify the complex process of finding the right Medicare plan for your needs. Terry, together with our experts from Medical Mutual, Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging and Discount Drug Mart will guide you through the process and answer your most pressing questions. Head to our cleveland.com Facebook channel and click on the Medicare event for more details and registration. And of course, as I told you about earlier, check out Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns. Subscribe to the pod because we've got to, got to watch the tape coming up on Friday. We have one that went up late on Tuesday as well, along with our daily pod, seven pods a week. Uh, so we got the Browns fully covered on this podcast feed. Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.